Hello and welcome to the Hail Maryland podcast. My name is Varun Shankar. Joining me as always is Jacob Steinberg. Jacob, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Varun? Pretty good. How's it feel to be at home with the rest of us? Uh, it feels, you know, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's hard to have any motivation to get work done, but I'm enjoying being around my family, and I'm also enjoying the fact that my New York football giants are in first place in the NFC East and are playing meaningful football, as are your Washington football team. So it's uh, how's it going to feel finishing the year? To uh, how's it going to feel finishing the year second in the division, man? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. As they call it, the NFC beast now. It's no longer yeah, the I NFC know. Beast. Can't lose. Exactly. <laughs> beat Seattle and then beat Pittsburgh. It makes no sense to me, but okay. Uh, we're not going to talk about pro football for the rest of the time here. We're going to talk about college football. And your Maryland Terrapins are coming off a dispiriting loss to Indiana and then a game cancellation. It's been a rough couple of weeks for the Terrapins, hasn't it, Jacob? Yeah, it's been tough. Unfortunately, their game against Michigan last week was canceled. And then the game this weekend for Michigan is also canceled, ending their season. But I know Maryland's very excited to get back on the field against Rutgers on Saturday, especially at a senior day. They will be honoring seven seniors, including uh, Johnny Jordan, Antoine Richardson, and Jake Funk, three guys who have been really integral to the program. And Coach Loxley talked about it during his media session, just how much these seniors have gone through during their time in College Park with the unfortunate death of their teammate, Jordan McNair, and just this COVID season, how tough it's been for them. So I know Coach Loxley is really excited to honor them and the and the team is really excited to go out there and play for the seniors and hopefully end the regular season with a win. Yeah, it's do you want to talk about the seniors now? Yeah, let's start let's start with the seniors. Um like you said, these guys have been through so much, both just like football related and non-football related. I mean, just think about in four or five years, they've dealt with quite literally the death of one of their teammates, right? I, I can't even imagine. They've dealt with new head coaches. They've dealt with turmoil just all around the program. I mean, they dealt with the season with during a pandemic, right? I mean, if if you're one of these players, I'm, it's, it's got to be such a weird ride, but they've all been integral parts of the season. They've been really, you know, key parts, especially a guy like Jake Funk, who's had two ACLs and come back. I think it's, it's really a remarkable story for all of them. And I think, it's just really cool to see them all flourish this way. A hundred percent. So I don't have really anything much to add about the seniors. You've been here longer than me. So if you have anything. Yeah. I mean, the, the, th- the three that I mentioned are the, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to dismiss the accomplishments of the other four seniors as well, but the big three are Johnny Jordan, right. Jake Funk and Antoine Richardson, who have, who also, I should say all three of them are captains for this weekend's game, the season finale. So that's a really nice uh, touch by uh, coach Loxley and, uh, Johnny Jordan and Jake Funk, unfortunately, were not able to play against Indiana for what I presume to be COVID reasons. Right. I can't say definitively, but it'll definitely be nice to see them on the field, which is going to be a big theme for Maryland this weekend because Coach Loxley said to us during our media session that about 80 to 90 percent of the players that Maryland was missing against Indiana will be back for Saturday's game against Rutgers. Yeah, for sure. I do want to, before we start like previewing this game against Rutgers, I do want to talk about this kind of cool story that, uh, Andy Koska put out in the Washington Times. Do you, do you want to tell people what the story is? You just started smiling when I brought it up. Yeah, it, it was it was tremendous. So I, I also shout out to Andy Koska for asking some great questions during the media session about shout it. Shout out so, to Andy Koska. 
I think it was, I want to say either last Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember exactly what day it was that the Michigan game was officially canceled. And Maryland had uh, a practice that day, obviously, because they were preparing for Michigan. And once the news came out, obviously, a lot of the players were very upset and frustrated because they wanted to get back out on the field. So Coach Loxley broke his rule and played music during practice and in addition to practice uh to playing music he gave the second and third team guys a lot more reps and he also was commentating throughout practice which he uh enjoyed really well and the the quote of the year yesterday was in media when uh Andy Kotzka asked him about the decision to play music if that was something he commonly does and the coach Loxley said the reason that he doesn't do it is he equated it to it's time for teaching and that if it's an if it's a macroeconomics class the teacher doesn't throw on little baby so you gotta you gotta throw out a shout out to Mike Loxley for the uh, pop culture reference and also uh, the shout out to uh, macroeconomics. I, I don't think you could find two more opposite things on a perspective than uh, little baby's music and macroeconomics. So I, I really enjoyed that. All right, Jacob, we, we got we to gotta talk about this. If you were in a macroeconomics class and the professor played a, uh, played a song, what song would you want it to be? Oh, that's such a tough question. I, <laughs> I I can't picture anything that would make me get through a macroeconomics class. But if I had if I had to um, predict or say one song, I would just say any. I would say either any Migos song or any Meek song because both of those both of those band or I shouldn't say bands, but both of those groups get me hype, and I think it would be able to let me survive. So especially, um, I, I would say yeah, really anything by either of those two guys, I'd be very happy with. All right, very cool answer. All right, let's start talking about Rutgers now. Wait, wait, you can't you can't get away. What's yours? You oh, got you got to say yours on the pod if I'm going to say mine. See, I was talking with Andy about this earlier on Twitter, and I, I said I'd listen to a future song. I don't know what future song, but you know, uh, we'll go we'll go with the we'll go with the "Live from the Gutter" from uh, "What a Time to Be Alive," a, a classic track if there ever was one. All right, but let's talk about Rutgers now. Um, two and five coming in with. Not really a lot of hype around them, but not a bad team, right? We were talking with uh, Chris Eisman, who covers the uh, covers the Scarlet Knights, and he was talking about how they've got like, listen, they've really kind of changed the culture in a way that you really want to, right? So, are you nervous about this game at all for Maryland? Because I'm really not. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm nervous, but I do think that, like you said, this is a completely different Rutgers team than Maryland is used to in the past. And I think that Coach Loxley has emphasized that. He talked to us with his session with the media just how much respect he has for Cochiano and that program and the way they play. So I think that Maryland is going to come out ready. I think they're going to come out energized, especially playing for those seniors and also playing with pretty much a full team for about the first time in a month since they had a lot of guys out against Indiana. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. It's such a weird season, right? I just, anything can happen, so I'm not really going to count Rutgers out, but I really don't see any way they lose this game unless, like, Talia throws three more picks. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't see any other way that, like, they're just a much better team. I think they're going to, like, march up and down the field against, I think Indiana was so much of a case of, shooting themselves in the foot. And a lot of that came from just, they hadn't played in a really long time. Right. So I'm going to put that more on that, but again, they did have kind of a layoff for this game. So yeah. I mean, do do you have like one specific like X factor that you think is going to decide this game? Yeah. I, I, I think the X factor actually for Maryland is going to be running the ball. 
now mm-hmm. that Jake Funk is back, I think that they're going to want to feature and him and have him be a heavy part of the offense. Aside from the fact that it's senior day and it's his last game to right. play in College Park, I just think that given the fact the success he's had this year, I mean, he's run for over 300 yards and he's only played in a couple games. So I think that that's also going to take some pressure off Talia as well. And I mean, Rutgers does have a really physical defense as as we talked about earlier with Chris, uh, Ola Kunle, I think I said that right, Fadakazi there, linebacker, had like 18 tackles or something last week against Penn State. So he's a really physical guy and stopping the run. And just a, aside for me, I think the cool thing, at least for me, when I watch Rutgers play is I'm from New Jersey and so many right. of Rutgers' key guys are from my county that I that really? played against my high school that I watched play in high school. So it's pretty surreal for me to watch these guys playing in the Big Ten and competing against a school like Maryland. And also being from New Jersey, it's just kind of cool to see a resurgent Rutgers program after the struggles that they've had in the past. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really, I mean, these are two programs that were Maryland and Rutgers that were like the doormats of the big 10 ever since Maryland entered the conference. And so it's cool to see that they're, you know, maybe the tide is turning, right? Maybe, maybe things are going to be better for these teams. You don't know, but you can hope. Um, Yeah. I'm going to go with my X factor. It's going to be turnovers and protection for uh, Uh, Talia just because when he's got time and when he's making good decisions, it's a wrap, right? If he's not throwing picks, it's a wrap because they're going to move up and down the field and you're going to have a lot of trouble with them. So I'm going to go with that. I think defensively, I'm not too worried. I think they're going to play pretty sound. I think you're going to have some of those key pieces back. And I think you're going to get, as long as they keep uh, Rutgers in structure, right? If they don't break contain and give up any just like dumb big plays or dumb penalties, I really don't see... Uh, a path to Rutgers just scoring enough to keep up with Maryland. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that Maryland's offense is going to be key for them in this game. And honestly, sp- speaking about Maryland's defense, one matchup that I'm really looking forward to watching is Tarheeb Still against Bo Melton, who has been a really talented yeah. guy for Rutgers this season. And Tarheeb Still has been a really impressive young player uh, for Maryland, one of the consistent players in their secondary. He also did not play ag- uh, two weeks ago against Indiana. So I'm excited to see him back out there on the field in the regular season finale and see how that dynamic matchup on the outside matches up because if Rutgers offense has explosive plays, pretty much all of them come from Melton. Yeah. One thing that I don't know if still is up to this level just yet, but one thing that like the Patriots have done, and I think it's a really cool thing is when you have a team that has one dominant wide receiver and then just another guy on the other side, you'll put your best corner on the guy and then you'll put two guys and you'll move the shift the entire coverage over towards the star receiver. And I think that's kind of flipped in the way you think about doing it. Normally you think about put your best guy on him and make them go one-on-one and maybe bring over help if they need it. But if you just say, we're going to bring two guys, take you out of the game. And on the other side, we have our best guy. So he's not going to get beat that often, even if he has less help. I really thought that might be something that Maryland might consider, but I don't know. It's it, that that's, I mean, we'll see on Saturday, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. The interesting thing I think for me is when, or two weeks ago when Indiana was, or when Maryland was facing Indiana, excuse me, with Michael Penick, who was one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the big 10. Unfortunately, he's out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, they played one high safety and man across the board, and they had a lot of confidence in their corners. And I'm really intrigued to see if they continue to do that this week against Rutgers. If I had to guess, I would say they probably do considering the way the secondaries played the past month. And if I was defensive coordinator, John Hoke, I would continue it until teams started to exploit these one one-on-one matchups and win them, but especially with Maryland secondary, pretty much back at full strength. Nick Cross is also expected to be back with standout sophomore safety. So I think that Maryland secondary could have a really strong showing on Saturday. 
And they played exceptionally well against, even without uh, Cross, they played exceptionally well against Indiana. I mean, they were on point for the entire game. Penix looked, like like you said, I mean, he looked overwhelmed, right? And so I think that this is, you. The, these are the kind of games that you win to put yourself in that middle tier of this conference, right? To prove, if they come out and they dominate Rutgers, it's now another stepping stone to saying, we're not doormats, right? Like we're, we're, we're going to, like next year, watch out right and i think that's what this year is really going to be about since obviously everything got screwed by covid yeah any uh, any last thoughts no i was going to say if we wanted to give our score predictions just one final time see if we oh, can no. see if we can get oh, we, got, we got another game next week man what do you mean one final time well one one final time for the regular season i should uh, there I, we go. I should i should clarify that considering this season has been so weird with all the stops and starts those yeah, whole schedules got me boggled up, but I'm going to, I'm going to say for the first, or I shouldn't say for the first time this season, but I'm going to predict a Maryland win. I do think it's going to be a close game. I also think it's going to be uh, deceivingly high scoring. I'm going to say that Maryland wins 37, 31. Man, you and our guest that we had for buying enemy lines, uh, Chris Eisman, have to keep a lot closer than I would have thought. I mean, this is a Maryland team that's put up points on the regular. I mean, they they beat Minnesota, which I, I still think Minnesota and Penn State are better teams than Rutgers, and they rolled Penn State. Um, g- give me 30, 31, 21. No, that's that's too kind, even actually. I was gonna say you you're only you're only a couple points further than yeah, I. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. <laughs> 31 14 Maryland. Uh, they're gonna win by seventeen. They're gonna come out, and I think they're gonna make a statement. I think this. I think they're. I think. Listen, we talked about they're playing music in practice now. They're light. There's no expectations. They're they're there. Be careful. Coach Loxley, he was very adamant about that. Yeah, you can get, on the press yeah. they're gonna fill their macro practice. exam now. Yeah, it's it's only one practice. I'm only doing it one time. And the other the other great quote is going back. Oh, was that what your was that what your uh response to Andy was? Don't get yeah. it twisted. Oh yeah. man, dude, I thought you were explaining his own article to him, and I was so confused. No. Well, I so I was actually gonna text Andy after that because I was like, I I hope he gets what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Loxley, Loxley, Loxley didn't use those exact words, but he said to Andy, he said, he said, remember Andy, so it's only one practice. He goes, this is not going to be an everyday thing. Cool, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you guys should go check out Jacob's work at WMEC Sports. Andy's work at the Washington Times. Go check out that article. It's really good. Uh, I'll probably tweet it out when I tweet out this podcast. And then check out my work. I'm covering the women's basketball team, which is ranked 14th in the country. So if you want to pay attention to the best basketball team in Maryland right now, you might as well come and look at my coverage over the Diamondback. We got some really cool stuff. They're going to start their Big Ten schedule against Rutgers. Uh, we brought on Chris Eisman, who does some stuff for the USA Today in New Jersey, uh, covering Rutgers and some other things. We talked about, obviously, this upcoming game, but we also talked about the NBA because that's how conversations go these days. So please go check that out. It's a really cool conversation. Chris is a really cool guy. And follow us. You can find our Twitter handles in. <laughs> you can find our Twitter handles in the uh, in the description. And here's Chris. All right, joining us now, the Rutgers football, basketball, also I'm guessing beat writer for the USA Today, uh, USA Today, yeah. New Jersey Media Group. Did I get it? Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Chris Eisman is on the line with us. How you doing, Chris? Doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to have you on to talk about Rutgers football. 
I'm going to start out with something just kind of really broad. Greg Schiano came to this team. There was a little bit of, you know, Schiano has had kind of like a mixed reputation where he's gone. You know, he was great in Iowa State, but there were some teams that didn't want him. He obviously didn't do too well in the NFL. I've heard some good things, even though they're two and five. I've heard some good things about this Rutgers team. But what have you seen from Greg Schiano that has surprised you from what you thought you were getting? I think that the the quickness that he's managed to really kind of change things, you know, it, it's, they were really, obviously everybody knows how down they were the last few years under, you know, first Kyle flood and then Chris Ash, it was just a disaster. You know, Rutgers was really a, a laughing stock in a lot of ways in the big 10. I, I think that everybody believed that Greg would come back and change things eventually. But I think the fact that it happened as quickly as it did, you know, like going out to Michigan state and winning the season opener, I think that shocked a lot of people in itself because even if Michigan state was having a down year, it was still Michigan state. It was still a good team. Certainly have more talent than Rutgers does at this point. I think that really made a statement. And then the fact that Rutgers has been competitive um, in almost every game this year, despite last year, just being totally the opposite, being non-competitive, having an offense that was completely a disaster in a lot of ways. I think that this year, the fact that they're just in every game, that they're giving themselves a chance to win. I mean, you know, the other day they obviously lost a, a tough one to Penn State, and I was joking after the game. I was like, I don't think anybody expected two fourth down uh, decisions to be what's dissected in this game and, and kind of picked apart about why Rutgers lost. I mean, I, I think that that shows you how far they've come. So I think everybody expected this to rebuild to take some time, but I think that he's made a lot of steps really, really quickly and put them in a good spot. And building on the theme of Greg Schiano, and Michael Oxley spoke to us yesterday, he said how through watching the film, it seems like that Rutgers has really taken on the identity of Greg Schiano. So would you say that that's accurate? And kind of how have you seen that identity evolve from the first game against Michigan State, which I was also surprised they won uh, to this upcoming weekend against Maryland? Yeah, I mean, I think that identity is just being, you know, it's sort of cliche, but it's just true. Just being well coached, you know, just um executing the little things, you know, doing things the right way. Um, that was apparent. That was clear early on um, that, you know, he's got a good coaching staff around him. I think that helps too. Um, but I think that that's really what the identity is. They're just well coached. They, they, you know, they certainly make mistakes. Every team does. There's no question about that. And, and they're going to continue to make mistakes, mistakes under Shiano. But, you know, I think the fact that they're just, they, they look prepared when they go into games and that's not something that uh, was always happening in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally like different, you can see the difference in coaching. Right. And I think that that's one thing just where just a baseline of competency matters so much in terms of something as simple as guys being lined up correctly before the play, right. right. Not having those pre-snap penalties or on defense, not having guys running around trying to communicate because they don't know what's going on in the defense, those things make a difference, even if they seem so trivial. But still, this is a 2-5 and five team, and so I kind of want to go to their quarterback play a little bit because yeah. Noah Vedral, Vedral, Vedral? Vedral. Vedral has had kind of an uneven season so far mm-hmm. this year. Nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. What's contributed to that, and is that something that can be exploited by Maryland? Well, he's had, he definitely has had an up and down year. He's had some, uh, you know, these last seven games, he had some really good performances and he had some really rough ones. Obviously um, he played his best game of the year against Michigan in that triple overtime loss. Um, uh, 
So it's just, I think that he's, he's not a, he doesn't have a big arm. He doesn't have, he's not a, a great thrower, but he can certainly extend plays with his legs. Um, he's a dual threat. Um, I think Maryland can exploit that. Certainly if, if they, you know, if they find a way to, I think it's there. Um, you know, we saw Penn state, you know, I, I think the big thing is like last week against Penn state, Vegel really, he struggled, but it was really because he just couldn't, they, Penn state took every, care of Rutgers up front you know he just had very little protection and he was under duress all game you know Greg Shiano even said that afterward you know this wasn't really on Noah's fault he said it was it was just protection issues so I think you know he's I think he's still far better than what they've had um and he's he's experienced obviously having previously played at Nebraska and, and UCF before that he's a good quarterback you know he certainly has had some good moments but he's had some rough ones too he's had you know thrown a lot of interceptions um so we'll see what happens. He was he was injured two weeks ago. He missed the uh, the win over Purdue. Um, he came back last week and he played the whole game, which I was somewhat surprised about. But if he's healthy, you know, he can certainly you know make some make some big plays. He has that ability. You know, like I said, he can he can he can run. Um, so he's you know we'll see what Maryland can do against him. And speaking about the quarterback position, it's a position that's gotten a lot. It's been talked about a lot on this team, as you mentioned, when uh, Vedral was out two weeks ago against Purdue, Art Sitkowski got the start. And then I know throughout the year, they've been mixing in Johnny Langan as well in kind of those running situations. So has the way they've approached the quarterback situation at all this season surprised you? And are, are you expecting that to continue similarly against Maryland? Or do you think they might employ something different in the final game of the season? Well, I think... I think if Noah is still healthy, I think he'll go and, and he'll play most of the game like he did against Penn State. I, I've been somewhat surprised that they haven't given more opportunities to to a guy like Art Sikowski, who, um, you know, as you said, did come in against Purdue and, and played well. I, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't want to see more of him. It wasn't like when they brought Noah Vedrill in, it was just sort of a a runaway competition in training camp. I mean, you know, these guys were all solid, I think, and and Greg liked what he saw from them. Um, and he said, even, you know, when, when Noah won the job, or actually, this was actually before he named Noah, because we didn't know until uh, the opener against Michigan State that Noah had won. But in the weeks leading up to the season, Shiano had said, you know, if I see that it, we're not winning games and we need to make a change, I ha- I'm not afraid to make that change. I'm, I'll change my mind and start somebody else if we need to. So I've been a little bit surprised that they haven't been any, any big changes, that they haven't given Art more time. Um, I think they like what Johnny Langan can do for them in that role. And he has been pretty effective. He had some, he had a rough game against Penn state, but the entire team had a rough game. So it's tough to put that in perspective, but uh, I think that they like Johnny Langan in that role. And he has, like I said, he's been productive and and he's a tough runner. And so he's kind of added an interesting dynamic to that offense, but I've been a little bit surprised, but like, like I said, I think that Noah has, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and say like Noah has done anything to really lose the job. I mean, I don't think he's played, poorly enough to, to really merit that type of, uh, that type of situation. You know, kind of moving from the quarterbacks to the pass catchers, this isn't exactly, you know, a star started Rutgers team, but one guy that really stands out is Bo Melton. What can Maryland do to limit his impact on this Saturday's game? It's a good question. Not a lot of teams have been able to do that. Um, yeah, he's been, he, he's been one of the real, bright spots for Rutgers this year and, and all the receivers have, you know, Shameen Jones is another guy who's, who's come along really well. And, and Aaron Krukshank who came over from Wisconsin would deny have a big role in the Badgers offense. And now Rutgers has really kind of found a way to use him. Um, and he's been a really solid receiver for them. Tyquan Underwood, who obviously has NFL experience, he's done a great job coaching that group, but 
In terms of shutting down Bo Mellon, it's going to be tough. I mean, he made an incredible catch against Penn State uh, with two defenders closing in on him. Um, he's just he he's a, he looks like a, a different receiver this season than he did last year. It's just the, the, the amount of improvements that he's make that he's made. I, I think it's going to be you know he's it, he's posed he's given every team that they face challenges, and I think that Maryland certainly um, you know is going to have its handful of trying to shut him down. And sticking with the theme of Rutgers offense, at least to me on the outside, I think one guy that's been pretty impressive, and I think it's shown given that he was just a nominee for the Broyles Award for the top assistant in, in the country is offensive coordinator Sean Gleason, because as you talked about, Rutgers had their struggles in the past, but o- offensively was a big struggle. So has how impressed have you been with his play calling uh, so far this season? And is there anything that's surprised you? Because at least for me on the outside, the amount of trick plays that he's called throughout this season has been pretty fun and exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was from the start. You just saw that this was a different offense. They haven't run as many trick plays recently. That kind of uh, that was a big story early on, and that we haven't seen as much last few games. But he's totally turned this thing around offensively. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers; it's amazing how how different they are compared to last year. Um, I think his play calling overall has been pretty good. You know, I th- there have been some questionable decisions certainly, but I think you know every coach makes questionable decisions that you can pick apart. Um, you know, but but I think overall he's done a really good job. I, I think he's he's brought an innovative offense. I think he's, you know, they, they've he he was always throughout his career a guy who doesn't make his players fit his system. He fits the system to what he has and the personnel that he has. And I think that's that's important. the only way to do it. It's exactly, perfect way to do it. I agree with you, and and he's done that really really well. Johnny Langan, an example. He has a guy who can he can use in this role, um, and he found a way to. So. You know, I've been impressed with the way Sean Gleason has has really adapted and and changed this thing around. And you know, I, I think uh, it's been a big. I mean, the offensive line has been a huge surprise. I they were one of the biggest question marks going into the season. And they've been really good. Um, so I, you know, I, I've been impressed with Sean Gleason. I really have. I think he's going to continue to do good things for them. Yeah, that what what you just said is something that I've thought about and consistently hammered home. If you're a coach and you have a talented player and you say, oh, this guy doesn't fit for my scheme, I'm not going to play, you should be fired on the spot. Like, I'm right. sorry. Like, that, that's inexcusable. You should – if you see that you have a talented player and he doesn't fit your scheme, you change the scheme to make it work for that player because you don't – talent is what decides football games above scheme, and you have to make sure that you marry the scheme to the talent. But um, kind of just sticking with the scheme and Gleason and this offense – I'm not sure how good of a running team Rutgers is. Obviously, you know, you talked about the quarterback's running ability, but Maryland struggled this year with stopping the run game. I mean, even in the second game of the season, they're winning against Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, the big D-line recruits are supposed to be coming in next year is the idea, but is that something Rutgers is going to be able to exploit? I mean, have they been great running the ball in a way that you think that it's a real strength for them? I, you know, early in the season they were, and and for some reason it's been kind of strange. But I, Isaiah Pacheco, who they really liked, and and for good reason, he's a tough runner. He's he's, you know, Shiano once said he runs with uh, he runs with anger. I think he said at one point, and he's kind of that type of player, you know. But he only has he, he had five carries against Penn State. It was sort of surprising, um, but they have they have the ability to really run the football well. Um, Pacheco does Aaron Young and Karon Adams. They've also impressed this year. It, it, it can be a strength. I'm, I'm, I was surprised, like I said last week, that they didn't go to that more. But I think that if Rutgers can get its ground game going at Maryland, I think it could be a good day for, for, for Rutgers on Saturday. So I think that that's certainly an ability if they can exploit that. 
Yeah, going in line with that question, I thought it was really interesting the way they used Pacheco last week. Because as you said earlier, Chris, I mean, they were pretty much dominated up front. And it seemed yeah. once they got pretty one-dimensional, I mean, Vedra was pretty banged up clearly. And then you saw that was really tough for him. But looking forward to this weekend's matchup, is there one matchup, whether it's an individual matchup or a positional group matchup, that you're particularly looking forward to watching? Um, you know, I am interested to see how they uh... – how they contain uh, your quarterback uh, whose name I can never pronounce properly. So I'm going to let you guys do that. <laughs> it took us a while too. Yeah. So I'm not even going to We got yelled at by one of our listeners who's still in Hawaii. Not yelled at, <laughs> but he, he was like, no, nah, you guys got to fix that. Jacob, you <laughs> yeah. want to try it this time? Yeah. You we just call ahead. him Talia. Yeah. It's oh, yeah, Tal- right. Talia Tagovailoa. I think. I think. Tagovailoa. Okay. He's got it. Got it All down right. pat. All right. I'll get that ready for, uh, for Saturday. <laughs> Um, I'm interested to see how they contain him. You know, their linebacker, their defensive line has been really solid. A guy like Michael Zwonfor and Julius Turner in the middle, uh, they've been really, really impressive. Their linebacking uh, unit is probably one of the biggest strength of Rutgers with a guy like Olakune uh, Fadakasi, who it took me a little while to get that name down, but I did it. Um, and uh, I, I'm interested to see how they're able to contain him. He's got to, you know, I, I think your quarterback's impressed and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers defense handles that. Yeah. You know, we talked about Bull Melton. We talked about the quarterback. I kind of want to go. This is a question I've asked everyone we've had on when we've brought on, you know, people to talk about the opposing team. Who's a player that, I mean, you've obviously watched sports and I'm guessing you've been a fan at some point. You have, you've had those games where someone beats your team, right? Someone catches a touchdown, does something. And you're like, we let blank beat us out of everyone on that team. We let, blank beat us you know for me as a wizards fan game seven against the celtics it was kelly olenic i've mm. never been more angry than seeing a man with a man bun shoot a three-pointer after three-pointer and ending my team season but who could be that guy for uh for rutgers against maryland that has maryland fans scratching their head so this isn't i'm not trying to cop out of this question but I don't think that Rutgers is at the point where you can say that anybody beating them would like, I think that if, if I still think that if they lose just to Rutgers, I think people are still upset. Even if Rutgers has improved from previous years, I think still the fact that if they, if anybody loses to them, they're going to say, I can't believe we le- we let Rutgers beat us. I think they're still at that point. So I'm not sure there's anybody on the team that you can necessarily say, I can't believe we let this guy beat us. How could we do that? I, I just don't think that they're at, they're at that point yet. Not to cop out, but I kind of just, that's just, Maybe in a few years they'll have a player like that. They'll be in a situation, but I think at this point, still, if a team loses to Rutgers, anytime Rutgers wins, it's a big deal. I mean, when they when they beat uh, Purdue and they beat Michigan State, it was you know it was on Sports Center all the time. So anytime Rutgers wins now, it's a big deal. So, it, and I'm, I'm not sure if they have anybody uh, on the team yet that, that you can really say that about. Yeah, no, that, that's really fair. And it's I feel like it's 100% true, considering if you look on Twitter at all uh, from Maryland football fans in the year where they beat Penn State, <laughs> everybody's happy about that. But the caveat is you can absolutely not lose to Rutgers at right. the end of the year, which is the, bi- which is the big thing for Maryland football fans, given that both teams have been considered kind of the bottom of the Big Ten at this point. But kind of in, right in line with that, I don't want to put you on the spot, Chris, but do you have a score prediction? for Saturday you know it's funny I've been thinking about this because we do make predictions and I have to have mine in tomorrow night um he's gonna pick the upset Jacob you know what the I, line is I, I, I was I was actually curious you know what I'm gonna look it up right now one second. let right, me go pull ahead. it up I got you do, do, do. I feel like it, I, I, I think it was Maryland by five and a half last I saw but I could be wrong 
Okay. I, I you know, I, I'm going to say Ruck, uh, Maryland is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be close. And I actually can see, uh, see them by winning by three. I mean, I really think it's going to be that close in this game because I don't think any, either of these teams are. And I, you know, Maryland's a tough team to evaluate too because you've only played four games. So, <laughs> so there's not a ton of film to go off of, there's not a ton to look at. Um, but I do think Maryland is going to win. I would say maybe I could see Maryland winning like 27, 24 or something like that. Like, I don't think it's going to be, you know. Ooh, so you don't have them covering because it's a nine-point nine spread. spread. Maryland. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of big. I am surprised about that. That seems that seems pretty big. But uh, I, I would say Maryland winning by, by three points or so. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I really do. I, my predictions have been pretty terrible this year. So Don't worry. Preaching to the choir. We're so bad at predictions every time. We started the season. My prediction was a disaster. What'd you well, say? It, 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 yeah, go, wait. I, what'd you say? I think I said Rutgers was going to win like 30 to 27 or 30 to 24. Oh, man. It was a disaster. If it, yeah. if it makes you feel any better, Chris, my uh, week one prediction when we played Northwestern, and, and I'll, I'll try to give myself some slack considering it was week one and we hadn't seen Maryland play at all this year. On our preview episode, I think I said 31-27 Maryland over Northwestern, and the final ended up being 43-3 to Northwestern. So <laughs> I could have been, been much further off. And so I was around where he was. I predicted him to lose by like a touchdown or two because I thought those were going to be relatively even teams. Right. So after that game, like, you know, me and Jacob were like, oh, man, like, we got to overcorrect now, right? And so against Minnesota, we're like, Minnesota at that point was ranked. They were coming, you know, off that incredible season a year ago. Tanner Morgan, Rashad Bateman. We we, we called a Minnesota blowout, and then they go out and win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's tough, man. And this year is too. It's just crazy. To me. I mean, it's a, making it's predictions a, is tough. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You don't even know who's going to be available every week. You know, it's I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, they do, they just announced that Ohio State's going to be able to get into the Big Ten yep. Yep. Uh, championship game. I mean, it's whew, COVID. COVID. Been a weird uh, year. Football season is not something I'd ever like to return to. Well, that's yeah, an accomplishment yeah. for Rutgers, honestly, considering that uh, assuming that Saturday's game is played, and it, at this point, it looks they like they haven't it's missed a game. They, yeah, you're right. They played all eight games this year. You know, it's funny, man. It's funny you mention that because I'm actually uh, I'm going to have oh, a story no. on that tomorrow morning. Um, about how they're, I think one of, I just counted, they're one of like four teams in the Big Ten, I think, to not have their season interrupted. I think it's four. Um, it's it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that they didn't have any issues. They had an issue before the season started in training camp. They had they had a big outbreak. And that wasn't even training camp. It was those like um, mm-hmm. team activities in the, in the summer. Um, they had like 30 players uh, contract the virus. But since the season started, They've had no issues, and it's amazing that they've had no issues. You know, knock on the, the people they so played far. haven't had any and the people issues, that right? they've played have had some issues, but not in the weeks that they were playing Rutgers. So you know, Illinois had issues, but then by the time they got to Rutgers, they were okay. So it's just it's been crazy. It really has. It's amazing that you know I think they're banged up. I think it's been a tough season playing eight games in eight weeks. I think that's a gauntlet, um, both emotionally and physically. So I, I think that has been tough for them. But it's amazing that they've gotten this far without any interruptions. Yeah. Um, anything? Is there anything you want to plug your Twitter? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if any fans are watching the game, I want to get a Rutgers uh, perspective. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Chris Eisman. Just um, so you can follow along there. And all my stuff uh, leading into this game is on app.com um, and northjersey.com, those two websites. So you can get all the Rutgers information you need uh, if, you're a, if you're a Maryland fan leading into the game there. So we'll, we'll get you covered. 
All right, thank you. If you're a basketball fan, uh, I'll I'll plug Chris's coverage since I enjoyed it. As a Knicks fan, I don't know how many Knicks fans there are in Maryland, but if you're if you're a Knicks fan or you're listening to this podcast and you live in the New York, New Jersey area and you're a Maryland fan, you can follow uh, Chris's coverage of the Knicks as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good point. It's gonna be a rough year for them again, but. (laughs) (laughs) I I was gonna make the playoffs, and I was like, ah, come on. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not not. uh, What what did you think of the Obi Toppin pick? I like it. I yeah. like it. I think he's going to be a good player for them. And I think the fact that they got not somebody who's a project, they've had enough projects. They have enough projects on the team. Their entire team is a project. So I think the fact that they got a guy who's 22 and is established, I think, I think he's going to be good for them. I really do. And I like the story too. local kid. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool story. I'm a little bit worried about his defense, but I think that he and RJ uh, yeah. can be. I think Tibbs will really legitimately help him. I really do. Tibbs is a great defensive coach. So I, I do true. think that that'll, that'll legitimately help him, uh, kind of grow in that area and it is tough because there's a flip side to being 22 it's like how much more improvement is there you right. know how much more upside is there is this it but i do think that he can work on it he can get there you know but i like the pick i really do high floor at the very least so, exactly yeah. yeah exactly listen i'm a wizards fan uh, we just traded our franchise oh, yeah, cornerstone yeah. and but we got denny avdia and so i'm excited about that uh you can well, come you back to every bit of nba talk and no, i'm just kidding uh <laughs> That's all for us on the Hill Maryland podcast. We'll have a podcast up the day after the game or so. You can check out Jacob's work at WMUC Sports. You can check out my work at the Diamondback, where I'm covering women's basketball. Please rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We've got about three games left, and then we'll probably do like a season wrap-up type of show. What is it, two games left? Yeah, after, after Rutgers, we've got two games. Or one more, because it's, it's Rutgers and then uh, whoever they play in the Big crossover West, week. Which is- I, to be like Wisconsin, but we'll see. I was kind of assuming they'd have a bowl game at this point, which I guess is a risky assumption. But if they have a bowl game, then two games, right? And so we'll have that. We'll do a, a wrap-up episode. We're going to have some guests on. It'll be a whole fun thing. Please go check it out. Uh, you can find us on the WMUC Sports feed. Until then, and this is the Hail Maryland Podcast.